Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily Podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Danny Shapiro, and this is The Way We Live Now. Today is day 58 since we've begun to see our real hair color grow in and day 18 of this podcast. You know that Mr. Rogers line, look for the helpers? There are so many people who are helping in so many ways during the pandemic, in private and in public. One of those people is my dear friend and my guest today, Gabrielle Bernstein. I've wanted to have Gabby on the show since the first moment I thought about how I might be of help by connecting all of us. Gabby is a consummate connector, a spiritual guide for many people all over the world. And, well, she makes us feel better, even in troubling times. And what could be more important than that? Gabby, welcome to The Way We Live Now. Thank you, Danny. I'm happy to be with you. I'm happy to be with you, too. One of the things about this podcast, one of the reasons why I decided to create it, is that one of the ways I feel like we're connecting is having a sense of what each other's lives are actually like now, like where we are and what life's like for us. So tell us literally, where are you? Where are you sitting? What are you looking at? Is there a window? What do you see? What are you surrounded with? I, I love that question because I'm laughing because I'm in the living room staring at the this wall and a door shut and listening to the sound of my son in the basement with Zach, my husband. Mm. Interesting. Different times. Yes, that's different. And you live in the countryside. Out the windows, trees, mm-hmm. rolling hills. Very green right now, too. Yeah, it's Very greening green. up. It is starting to green up, which is hopeful. It's a nice kind of sign during this time. Yeah. So Gabby, when did the pandemic hit home and become real for you? I went to New York City what was it, the 10th of March, maybe? And I went for 24 hours to uh, my apartment in the East Village to get some things done. When I got a phone call, it was a Thursday, and I then was leaving on Friday after some other meetings. 
I got a phone call from a girlfriend saying, this is getting real. They're going to shut down. She was very ahead of what was happening in the city based on some information she had. So I packed up my bags and I'd only been there for four hours. I packed up my bags and left. But in the four hours that I was in New York City that day, I had never felt more uncomfortable in my city than ever before. I was washing my hands every five seconds and and taking all my hand sanitizer with me everywhere and sanitizing the elevator, the lobby, wherever I went. And this was way before this this had really hit hard. Would you say that was the week of like the 11th, 12th of March, or was it even before that? It was the 10th of March that I was in the city. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And did you have the sense around you that people were starting to feel on edge, or was it just something that you were feeling internally? Everywhere. I walked into my building to a whole table set up with Lysol and gloves and and hand sanitizer and swabs. And it was just, it was just, it was already in that way. So you're a best-selling author and a beloved motivational speaker whose words and work mean a great deal to countless people. I've seen it myself. I've seen people burst into tears when they talk to you. How do you rise to the occasion and be there for people in the way that I know you are when this is also something that you're going through? We're all going through it. It took me about a month to get it together, Danny. <laughs> in the in, and in the first month, I was triggered just like everyone. All of our core wounds are triggered when we feel out of control, when we feel unstable. We get into a, a state of either fight or flight, or we get immobilized. I was in this space of fight or flight. Got to fix everything. Got to cut costs everywhere. Got to figure out how to reorganize my business and my my childcare and my life. Just for me, it was it, it was. How can I find control in a situation where I am completely powerless? So that went on for about a month. But thankfully, I have such a great awareness at this stage in my personal growth and my spiritual growth to be able to, to step outside myself and see myself almost from across the street and say, oh, that, that spinning out is not sustainable. And it got to the point where I was on the phone with my therapist and she said, you know, I don't think your 10-year-old self should be running your business. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's a quote that will go in the next book. And uh, and so that's when I really started to get it together. I started doing a practice that I now call Rage on the Page, where it's a daily practice I've been doing for a month and a half now. A girlfriend of mine, Nicole Sachs, she's a student of Dr. John Sarno, and he did a lot of work around really honoring the impermissible rage and fear that lives underneath our physical experiences or physical pain or discomfort or insomnia or whatever's up. It's a practice on 20 minutes of writing all the judgment, all the attack, all the rage onto a journal page, followed by 20 minutes of meditation. And I added to it bilateral music, which you and I both love EMDR. So I added this bilateral music that will really stimulate both sides of the brain and really relax the nervous system and allow the lower part of our brain to really just take a chill pill and let that rage and judgment out so that I can process it through the meditation. So that practice has accelerated my personal growth in the last two months. That's amazing. I'm just thinking about, so do you listen to the bilateral music while you're writing the rage on the page or do you write it all out and then listen to the bilateral? I listen to the music all through the 40 minute Mm -hmm. practice. Now, this is a practice that my girlfriend, Nicole Sachs, created, and, and, it's, and, and she calls it uh, journal speak. I renamed it because I always adjust things. You know? you know, I always add my spin. 
but I renamed it for myself, Rage on the Page. That's what it felt like to me. It was just raging onto the page. And the bilateral music really, uh, I don't know if, if Nicole would co-sign that, but it's what, it, what I intuitively did. And it really rocked the experience. It made it even more elevated. And the second I pressed play on that music, I start to feel relief. And for listeners who don't know what bilateral music is, it's music that you're listening to on headphones or AirPods that is moving from your left ear to your right ear to your left ear to your right ear, just back and forth across the neuropathways. Yeah. So really what it is, is it, it counterbalances strong emotions and it's allowing for a larger window of tolerance. So when we're really stressed, that window of tolerance is very small because we're in that part of our brain that's fight, flight, freeze. And in that space, we can't get to the resource part of our brain, which is going to help us get to solution. So we can really open up and make that window of tolerance larger so that we can really start to process the genuine emotions that are being pushed away, really, that are being mm. pushed down or or avoided or focused onto a physical pain and body part or the emotions that we dissociate from. I love that you're using the word rage because I think, especially for women, it's kind of the most impermissible of all the emotions. We're not supposed yes. to rage. And at the same time, I think during this period of time, I've been thinking so much about control and lack of control and being out of control and being a control freak, which, you know, I mean, I, I like very much to be in control. And we are all so truly on a global level, not in control of this thing. And I think that underneath that, like under the helplessness and under the anxiety and under all of the different kinds of coping mechanisms, there is rage and it's really hard to allow ourselves to access it. So this seems like just an incredibly liberating practice. And also we don't express it. I mean, expressing it on the page Nobody's going to see that. Yeah, nobody's nobody's right. going to nobody's going to read that ugliness, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And that exercise that I shared is really comes from the work of Dr. John Sarno, who wrote the book How to Heal Back Pain and uh, the Mind Body Prescription. And his whole entire career was built on really recognizing and allowing that impermissible rage to come forth. Because when we deny that impermissible rage, or we don't acknowledge it or let it come out of the unconscious. What we do ultimately is send physical pain to our body, gut inflammation, back pain, neck pain, and other things like insomnia or, or, or physical condition. Mm -hmm. And the concept there is that the brain uses the body as a way to hide the, the rage that really needs to come through. So you're also a relatively new mother. What has it been like to be home 24-7 with your husband and your toddler, I guess Oliver's a toddler at this point. Yeah. What's that been like? That's something that I think for many, many listeners of all different stages in life, being in your home, well, I mean, many people are alone, which poses its own um, complexities. I was just talking to a friend who is recovering from COVID now, who lives in New York City. And when she went to get tested, she wrote this beautiful thing. She went to get tested and the technician who was testing her had a gloved hand that was on her arm and she had this desire to say to him like don't take your hand away because yep. it was the first time she had been touched in 50 days at all you know so there's that but then there's also a different set of challenges which is being home being home with a very young child 
in my case, being home with a college-aged young man. I mean, what what's that been like for you? Well, I want to first just address what you said about the touch, because I think one of the most upsetting things about this time is that we are unable to hug our loved ones. Or, of course, if you're home with your family, you can have that physical connection. But for anyone who is unable to feel that physical connection, it can be very difficult. And uh, one of the greatest ways that we produce oxytocin is through connection and physical connection. So I just want to acknowledge that for those folks, even though you can't touch someone, just to create some kind of connection that's safe or, or obviously regularly connecting to people through social media or through your Zoom or whatever it is that you're using. Mm-hmm. Uh, as it relates to having my son at home with me, my son's always been at home with me, but we, my husband and I run our business. So we had a full-time nanny who's a very close, almost like a family member, a very close person in my life. She's been working with us since Oliver was three months old. So not having Angie here is was at first just really disorienting because I was accustomed to having my entire day open and then seeing my son at these pockets of the day when it was convenient for me, right? Because I was working all day. And then my son was now Zach and I full-time parents while we're working. At first, it was a really big adjustment. But by the grace of God, my son decided to have one nap. He moved, (laughs) he transitioned from two naps to one nap. And my son really is a, a very, very easy child. He's a tremendous gift. And I feel extremely grateful because he's super easygoing. He sleeps extremely well. He's a very fun person, a really cool person. So it's been awesome, Mm. honestly. And then with the structure of that two to three hours in the middle of the day that he's napping, I've actually been more routinized than I've ever been before. With that routine, that's also very important when you're in a pre-traumatized state. I actually watched the video that I'm going to send you, Danny, this Bessel van der Kolk video. And he was talking about how when we're in this pre-traumatized state, which we're all in right now, we have these choices, right? So we could be immobilized and, and stuck and afraid. Or the way out of that would be to start to create routine, to start to adapt to a very strict schedule. And part of that schedule would be movement. Part of that schedule would be meditation. And part of that schedule would be cooking. To identify a schedule at this time is probably one of the greatest things you can do to support yourself from not having PTSD later. Mm -hmm. Because what you want to do is mobilize. And a lot of that also comes through physical movement. So hoping that listeners can move. And if you can't move at this time because of a condition or anything, do what you can to stimulate yourself in these structured ways throughout the day so that you can get your body and your energy into a routine that can be very, very supportive. And so because we've had such a strict routine around Oliver's wake up time and bedtime and nap schedule, God, Danny, I've been getting a lot done here. Mm-hmm. And I feel really, really empowered. I'm working on having another child. So I started to have a lot of fear around being pregnant during this time, what that means. I would ultimately be delivering amidst this, regardless of whether there's a, a greater, hopefully there's a lot more resolution 10 months from now. But we'll see, you know, mm. it's an interesting decision to make at this time. Well, that's, that's such a perfect lead into another thing that I wanted to ask you, because that's such a hopeful thing to want to bring another child into the world, you know, this world that we're in right now. That's such a sign of hope and optimism uh, for the future. And so I wanted to ask you, what's giving you hope? You know, I have your deck of cards that I use every morning when I meditate. I pull three cards. Mm. And one of my favorite cards is uh, hope is a conduit for miracles. 
Yeah. Right. I love that you love that one. What's giving me hope right now is I think that my child is probably giving me the most hope because he's inspired me to really learn about a connection, a, a attachment parenting and, and Dan Siegel's work around connect and redirect and all this beautiful, no drama parenting, right? No drama discipline. So what's giving me is this hope for this being, this person who's going to be brought up in a way where he's, his feelings are honored and he's been through, lived through a pandemic and came out of it just unscathed because he was honored and respected throughout that period. So he gives me a lot of hope mm. who he will become. That's beautiful. And then the last question I have for you is, what do you hope we learn from this time? We will get to the other side of it, whatever that's going to look like and whenever that's going to happen. And it seems inevitable and necessary that it changes us. How do you hope that it changes us or that we learn? I have so many hopes for how this changes us, but the word that just came to my mind and I'm going to roll with it is respect. I hope that we come out of this with a greater level of respect for each other, for our planet, for our well-being, respect for ourselves. I think this is an opportunity right now to look at our lives and say, in what ways have I been judgmental? In what ways have I been attacking myself and others? In what ways have I disconnected? So for whatever reason, that was the word that came to me just now. And I, I, it's a little hardcore and I like it. Mm, I like it too. <laughs> it, it makes me think of something I read this morning about how in certain places it's feeling like we're not respecting our elders during this period of time, which of course sort of flies in the face of what every culture and every belief system points us to to do is respect our elders. And the fact that our our elderly have been the most vulnerable population. It's sort of like, just feels like there are huge lessons to be learned here in compassion and empathy. And yeah, and I love the word respect. Yeah, especially right now when every person you see is going to affect who I see. So it's this heightened level of respecting one another through our communication and our action. That's right. Well, Gabby, thank you so much. It's been such a wonderful conversation, and I have a feeling there are going to be a lot of people out there pouring their rage onto the page. Yeah, rage on the page, people. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Thanks for listening to The Way We Live Now. Tell us the way you're living now. We want to hear. Call us on, you might want to get a pen for this, 909-713-8995. That's 909-713-8995. And record your story, and we might just use it on the pod. Also, you can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash the way we live now pod. We are creating a community here, and we would love for you to join us. You can find me on Instagram at Danny Ryder. The Way We Live Now is a production of iHeartRadio. It's produced by Lowell Berlanti. Beth Ann Macaluso is executive producer. Special thanks to Tristan McNeil and Tyler Klang. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now 
Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts 